The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. Switcher. Wrong sex. Loves to talk to his work. You know, you're the first thing that created and made me feel like an artist. Don't you like your new scarf? He never expected. Not especially. To hear it talk back. I really think I'm going crazy. I am so glad you're working here. I never thought they'd hire anyone stranger than me. You're the only one who can see me like this. To the rest of the world, he's a disaster. You're quiet. And she's a dummy. <laughs> you are one sick puppy. But together. Hey, don't do that. You weren't so shy when you were creating me. You weren't so real. They make magic. <gasps> Look at him with the dummy. Who are you to criticize? And that new stock boy. And I just want you to keep an eye on him for me. I think I'm going to handle things my own way. All the girl mannequins disappeared from the windows last night. Film at 11. Yes, my dear, your favorite. She is gone to get him! You're magic. He's talking to the dummy again. Andrew McCarthy, Kim Cattrall. You know I would never bother you when you're getting a piece of wood. Mannequin. Hi guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host Jimbo. And I'm your co-host Kyle. Kyle, today we will be talking about the movie Mannequin, which was a special request by uh, one of our listeners, Jason B007. Jason B007. So Jason uh, had left a review after we had done Weekend at Bernie's and said he enjoyed our review of that. So he said, now we have to do Mannequin or Mannequin 2 on the move. So I thought I'd put you through the torture of doing both of them eventually, but... I think it's time to do Mannequin, Kyle. Oh. But before we get started, oh no! I want to remind everybody that, yes, in case you haven't heard, on October 28th at the Boone County Distillery and Jail in Lebanon, Indiana, Lebanon, Indiana, you can join Kyle, myself, and ADZ for a Tragedy of Cinema Halloween party. It's getting a blast. Yes, starting at 5 o'clock p.m. to about 8 o'clock. We're going to be uh, passing out candy to the kids. Uh, we're going to be in full costume. So please, dress up. It's, it's like a costume party. And uh, then uh, about 8 to 8, between 8 and 8.30, we're going to do like a little live show. Uh, and we're going to give out some prizes and stuff like that. And then at 8.30, we're topping the night off with the showing of the original Night of the Living, Living Dead. Dead. That is correct. So 
uh, come out and join Jackie and, and her friends from the Gel and Distillery and, and, and the Tragedy of Sinnoh podcast. We will be having, I don't know, popcorn. We got a cotton candy maker somebody's bringing, uh, drinks, tons of candy. So hopefully uh, you guys can come join us. Uh, unfortunately, it's probably going to be limited to 40 people. But the best part about this event is it's absolutely free. Um, all we ask is that you go onto our Facebook page and there is um, a section that uh, ADZ has posted about Eventbrite or you can go on Eventbrite and look for it, uh, search for us and just make sure you reserve your spot. So yeah. right now we can fit 40 people in there legally and if we have to, if it's so overwhelming that we need to uh, open up the other side and show a second uh, showing, we can. Um, we just need to get a total count of who's coming. So. Yeah, we want to get a clear like the actual fans who are coming in. They're also be open to the public too, so we can have people there for right. like, coming over the weekend, having fun, doing that kind of stuff too. So it'll probably be a full house regardless. But like we want to make sure we get our listeners in specifically for the movie right. and our event. And not yeah. only that, but since it is a costume party. Kyle said he wasn't going to dress up, and I said, well, Kyle, that's not how this is going to go. I can do some dress-ups. No, no, no. So what I have proposed is that, yes, on our Facebook page, I will be posting a uh, poll to see what you want Kyle to dress up as for this Halloween costume party. And he's kind of nervous about the choices I'm going to put because he doesn't even know the choices I'm going to put on there yet. (laughs) So this is going to be exciting. It'll be fun. And maybe we can get Kyle to shave his eyebrows if enough people show up and we sell out. Fester would be like a top choice. (laughs) There you go. Go as Uncle Fester and I'll have ADZ come as uh, Wednesday. <laughs> I, did, I did shave my eyebrows once when I was like 14 and did not, did not, I regretted it. <laughs> Being 14 is tough, y'all. <laughs> Being 14 with shaved eyebrows, tougher. tougher. <laughs> so uh, be on the lookout on the Facebook post because I definitely want to see what we want to see. And we will be taking pictures and posting them on the Facebook. So maybe even a, a live video as we go throughout the night. So. Uh, stay tuned for that. So, Kyle, uh-huh. before we get started on Mannequin, Mannequin, I do have a question for you. I have answers for you. Kyle, mm-hmm. if you were to set up a mannequin display in the front of, let's say, downtown Indianapolis and like Macy's, we'll say downtown, or in Circle Center Mall on the corner of Nordstrom's or whatever, yeah. what would be your setup as your decor- decoratory celebration of your window? Decorate celebration of my window. I have no idea, Jim. <laughs> I don't know. I just came to be. <laughs> like, I thought you were just asking, what would be your mannequin lately? And it's just like it's just like it's just five Mila Jovoviches. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's exactly what I would do. But no, <laughs> um, I have not the faintest clue. It'd be a fifties diner setup. I don't know, just random stuff like that. Jimbo, what would be your display for a window? I'd probably do something space themed, like space have, a, have like a um, have like an Apollo shuttle Apollo shuttle thing. and have like a cord you know attached to like mm-hmm. one of the astronauts yeah and then the other astronaut freaking out in the side like because he's <laughs> disconnected from the hose yeah. or whatever so. I don't even know I, I, I bet there's like a huge knowledge base and actually that goes into the window marketing. shopping the window display yeah there's like probably a huge culture of the windows of the window shopping marketing kind of side of things where actually like I bet it's incredibly complex actually when you get down to it it'd be incredibly fascinating if you came to it but actually, I have it would no just idea be, where to even start it would just be a table 
yeah. with a laptop at me and you sitting there. I don't think it's simple as just like, we got new clothes from J.C. Penny. put them on these mannequins, put them in the window. I don't think it's that simple, actually. I bet there's actually a lot more work that goes into it, especially for like, you know, the high-end stores especially. So, well, one of my, well, both of my kids worked at J.C. Penny, and they did have to set up some of the mannequins in J.C. Penny. They said they go to the room, there's all kinds of parts and stuff. You know, you have to take off their arms and... You know, pose them. It, it the way is you one want. of those things. Sometimes you just like I don't know. I've, I've ever like just owning a mannequin and just having to explain to someone a mannequin is just very funny on its, on its face. <laughs> or the idea of just like just just put a mannequin like in your attic and just leave it there for the rest of your life. Never explain it, and then like you know, someone someone down the line forty years later will pick up your leg and be like, "What the?" <laughs> It's 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 always it's endless comedy potential right there. <laughs> well, it's like you see those people that buy a skeleton and put it like they're remodeling and they put a skeleton in the wall, in the wall or something. So if yeah. somebody comes through and knocks it down years later, they're yeah, like, you'll find random notes or someone else someone's wall up fifty years later. That's you got to do it. <laughs> it's too it's too funny not to. Uh, all right, Kyle, let's okay. go and jump into this mannequin that was requested by Jason B. All right, we'll jump right into it, Jimbo. We have the film Mannequin released on. February 13th of 1987. So it was a Valentine's Day date movie. Oh, you're right. This was. That, that definitely was the intention going on here. Yeah. Um, quick little um, jump into the what the explanation of the film. A young artist searching for his vocation makes a mannequin so perfect he falls in love with it. Finding the mannequin in the store window, he gets a job there and his creation comes to life. Literally. It <laughs> literally comes to life as a, as a physical woman. Um, so, real fancy but, but, play there. But, but you're missing the point of that, Kyle. That it actually starts way before that back in ancient Egypt. Because she's actually she an curse. Egyptian princess. <laughs> also a white lady. Which is just like, okay. <laughs> as Egyptian princesses definitely were. <laughs> um, directed by uh, Michael um, uh, Galtieb. I'm going to say Galt. Gottlieb, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Michael Gottlieb. <laughs> yeah. Written by Edward Rugoff and Michael um, Gottlieb again. Um, produced by Art Levinson. Ooh, Art Levinson. I believe actually he's produced a lot of films, actually. Um, composer was Sylvester Levey. Cinematographer was Tim um, Serhestet. I'm just going to say Serhestet. And cast director was Marcy Leroff. Budget for the film was six million dollars. Um, adjusted for inflation, that'd be about sixteen point two million dollars. So actually, pretty. I think that's even modest for the year. Actually, six million dollars, especially for a movie that. Um, I think it like. The idea it was filmed in Pennsylvania, but it looks like it's they're kind of going for a Chicago vibe. I think they're kind of going for New York. Yeah, yeah, somewhere like it, it's big city, big city stuff. Regardless, yeah. So that's uh, pretty modest overall. Opening weekend, actually, it only made six point six million dollars and uh, six million one thousand two hundred eight dollars. So, it, like, just barely, you know, peaked over the budget for the film itself. So, it would have been kind of maybe a little bit uh, worrying for the people that actually produced the film overall. That it wouldn't make its money back with marketing budgets and all that kind of stuff too. But um, it came out at the end to forty two point seven million dollars gross in America and the worldwide. So that made a I'm sure a fair profit back in the day. It's just for inflation, $42.7 million would be inflated up to $115.5 million today. So, yeah, very, very uh, <laughs> healthy return investment for people who made this film back in 87. So, it's good for them on there. <clears throat> Moving on to some of the awards of the films right here. We have an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Song and Music for the song Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Which, until watching this movie, I had no idea. Well, until actually coming out to the podcast, I had no idea this song actually came from this movie at all. I thought it was just, 
I just, you know, locked in my mind is like, it's a generic 80s song that was very popular for that era. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is true also, but I didn't realize it actually came from this movie. So that's something I kind of give it to a, a broad spot of this film overall. Like, it came out one of the, you know, best 80s bops of the time, basically. <laughs> Um, then we have the 1988 um, Fanta Awards, where it was nominated for Best Film, and it won Best Screenplay, which just, wow. <laughs> That's I'm, right, I'm, Kyle. I'm coming in a little bit more um, on the lower side of this film than Jimbo is, certainly, so we'll get to that when we get to our final thoughts of the film. <laughs> Next up, we have the 1988 Golden Globes Award, where it was nominated for Best Original Song for, once again, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. And once again, also for the 1988 Grammy Awards, which was once again um, nominated for Best Song Written Specifically for a Motion Picture or Television. And uh, in 1987, it won Best Actor to Andrew McCarthy That's for the right. Fanta Festival. That's right. Um, Best wow. Direction for, my, um, um, for Michael um, Gautier. And Best Film for Michael Gautier. This film has a very positive recognition for it. Good for them. <laughs> Technical details. This film has a runtime of just 90 minutes, or just an hour and a half. A, a, a very modest runtime there. I respect that, too. This film knew what it was going for, and uh, kind of like a short and done kind of thing. Really appreciate that sometimes. There's not enough like of the 90-minute movies, I feel like. Every movie now has to be like three hours long or something. Two hours and 40 minutes. Two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah, something crazy like that. It's like, you know, sometimes a good 90-minute movie actually is pretty great. <laughs> Um, sound mix was done in Dolby Digital Audio, so good news there. This is a color film. Re- aspect ratio is 1.85 by 1. The camera used was the Aeroflex 35BL4. That's a little bit of an unusual camera we see for movies we usually get. Usually it's always a Panavision camera or something like that, so hearing Aeroflex is a little bit newer. Um, and that comes up for the technical details there. Filming locations, this was actually filmed in uh, at Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, and uh, Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, in the U.S. of A., of course, and also in Philadelphia, and the uh, Wanamaker's Department Store in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, U.S.A. So, it was also the Prince and Company Department Store back in the day as well. And filming dates was between March 17th, 1986, to May 10th, 1986. So, overall, pretty standard uh, uh pre-standard uh, filming um, timeline there for the film. So probably had an overall smooth production. Moving on here to the bigger part here, we have the cast of Mannequin. Starting, of course, with Andrew McCarthy, the star of the film, playing the role of Jonathan Switcher. Andrew McCarthy was also, of course, in the movie um, Pretty in Pink in 1986 and St. Elmo's Fire in 1985. And... Um, Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's, yes, Jim. I could remiss not to mention the legendary film, Weekend at Bernie's 1 and 2. I wanted to make sure we... Duology. wanted to make sure that we threw that in there since you loved them so much. <sighs> and he was also, and I believe in the, it was like four seasons of the Orange is the New Black show, um, the Netflix show from 2013 to 2017 around there. Uh, actually, I don't remember how many episodes he was in there for the show, but I, I remember, it, was a, it was a few, if I remember correctly. Next up, we have Kim Cattrall playing the role of Emmy. Uh, Emma, Emmy, uh, Emmy. I'm saying yeah, E M M O I, Emmy. <laughs> Kim Cattrall was also in the show Sex in the City from 1980, 1998 to 2004, and uh, also in the film Sex in the City Two in 2010. Um, she was also in the film Porky's, 1981, and the film Police Academy in 1984. I don't know if she was in the, any of the sequels of Police Academy, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Next up, we have Estelle Getty playing the role of Claire Temkin. Estelle Getty was probably as easily the most memorable for her roles in the Golden, Go- Golden Girls from 1985 to 1992. And she was also in the film Stop 
or my mom will shoot with Sylvester <laughs> Stallone. Um, I didn't mark on the year there, but the movie came out, but I believe it was in the 80s as well. <laughs> What a film. What a film. Um, next up, we have James Spader playing the role of Richards. James Spader was, of course, uh, he's probably easily most recognizable known for his role in the uh, as the main character in the show The Blacklist from 2013 to ongoing in 2023. I actually don't know if the show ends this year or if it's going for more seasons, but I know it's still on, you know, ongoing up to this year in 2023. Ten seasons. You know, incredible run for any television show. He was also in the Stargate movie in 1994, and he was in the show Boston Legal in 2004-2008. That was that uh, uh, guy from Star Trek. What's his name? Original Captain. Captain Kirk. What was his original name? William Shatner. William Shatner from 2004-2008. Thanks, Jimbo, for all your help there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if you leave you talking long enough, you'll eventually come around to that. that, that, that it takes a while sometimes. And next up, uh, J.W. Bailey um, uh, plays the role of Felix. J.W. Bailey was also in the films, 19, uh, Police Academy, and all the way to Police Academy uh, 7. I think it was Mission on Moscow was the last one. That is G.W. Bailey, not J.W. Bailey. I did say J.W. Bailey. G.W. Bailey, my apologies, playing the role of Felix. And he likes he was in the police. He was in all seven of the Police Academy movies, I believe, from 1984 to 1994 there. So huge run there. And you remember who he played, right? Uh, wasn't he the... I, wasn't he a Lassard? Commandant Lassard? Commandant Lassard. Yeah, I'm Captain Lassard. Yeah, um, good for him. I never actually watched the police guy movies. Or was he Commander Lassard and then the sidekick was Commandant? I don't remember. It's been a minute. Like I said, I, I, we I might have to I, cover Police Academy now, Kyle. No. <laughs> no, don't say no. The public demands it. <laughs> I think I might dethrone Weekend of Bernie's as the worst movies you ever saw. There. Like, I, I, Whoa. I, I, I bet Police Academy does not hold up at all. <laughs> Almost certainly. Um, next up, we have the film. Uh, uh, he was also in the film Short Circuit in 1986. Um, moving on, we have Carol Davis playing the role of Roxy. Um, Carol Davis was also in the show Sex in the City from 1998 to 2004, and she was also in the film The Rapture in 1991, and The Shrimp on the Barbie in 1990. <laughs> Shrimp on the Barbie. Was that 19? Was that a prequel to the Barbie movie, The Shrimp on, on the, the Barbie? Barbie. <laughs> she played the shrimp. She played. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, next up, we have Steve Vinovich playing the character of Beji Wirt. Steve Vinovich was also in the film The Godfather of Harlem in 2019, so just recently, and Shirley in 2020, so still ongoing actor today, it looks like. So cool for him there. Then moving on to the cast here, we have um, finally, um, I'm going to cover the whole cast here because it's a huge list of people that like, were extras in the mall and all kind of stuff, the department store anyways. So the final tale is... Um, uh, Mich- oh. Meshack Taylor playing the role of Hollywood. Meshack Taylor was also in the show Designing Women in 1986 to 1993, and he was in the film Mannequin 2 on the Move in 1991, so the sequel to Mannequin, Mannequin 2. And he plays the role of Hollywood, the uh, flamboyant um, uh, <laughs> African-American best friend. Um, yes, the flamboyant best friend of Andrew McCarthy's character, Jonathan. Switcher. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's one way to describe it, I guess. But anyways, that inclu- that that's the cast of Mannequin. <laughs> Jimbo, take it from me. Let's get some cool <laughs> Are you sure? Trivia you're doing such a good. You're doing such a good job. <laughs> It's like a train crash. You can't look away or stop to listen. It's, it's like you can't land the airplane, Kyle. You're up in the air and just can't find the landing. Exactly. i got to crash the airplane. It's more fun that way. Um, yeah, fireballs. there's not a lot of trivia on this movie. Um, so basically, uh, to give a full rundown of the movie um, in, in a condensed version, a, a, was it Egyptian? 
Egyptian. That's what I, I think it's believed implied. Or Aztec Egyptian. or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, she's. <laughs> Either way, no excuse for a white woman to be there. <laughs> basically, her, was it her mom trying to get her to go into a coffin and be embalmed? No, no, no. Or... She just she, she was trying to get her set up to marry a, a, a dunk salesman, a guy who sells camel dung as a fuel salesman. <laughs> right, but remember she and, kept coming out of the. Was she gonna put? She her in was that... hiding in the temple as a mummy. Oh, that's and what she then was. Then I guess she made. I I'd actually I I missed the part where she were whatever made any magical deal where she became a mannequin in the future. I don't know how that translated to the future, but regardless, at some point I guess she made some kind of deal or magical entombment to maybe like her spirit would be transferred to a man that she loved throughout time, and so like two thousand some odd years later she found <laughs> Jonathan Switcher, and I was like I want to I want to marry the mannequin man. <laughs> so basically. Uh... Uh, to present day where we find uh, Jonathan Switcher where he is a uh, he, he likes creating mannequins he's really into his work he believes himself an artist makes yes, mannequins and yes and he has a job and um, it's just it's hard to <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> it's a, basically it's a, it's a, like, he I he never, leaves one department store because <clears throat> or he gets fired from one department store and he goes to this other department store and um, he's in the uh yeah. overnight area and this mannequin comes to life on him and he's shocked and she's like you created me uh, and then come to find out that he's the only one that can see her yeah <laughs> which is really funny when you don't see her they just see a regular mannequin yeah. but when he looks at her he sees a incredibly beautiful woman <laughs> and, and you know there's a part of this film where uh, he takes her into the the bathroom and all the employees are listening and, and he's like who is he talking to he's <laughs> they're having a full conversation with this mannequin in the yeah. bathroom uh, but there's several times where a person will show up, like Hollywood or um, the guy that uh, who's the the, GW oh, the police officer. Oh, GW, uh, Felix. Yeah, Felix the yeah and, uh, and they would um, they would walk in and they would just seem like dancing with a mannequin. It's kind of it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, this this has a lot of I don't know, Kyle, if you ever uh, remember back in the early uh, '90s. I doubt you. Maybe late '80s. Um, there was a show. I believe it was on Nickelodeon called Today's Special, mm-hmm. and it was about a uh, it was it was part puppets, part human beings, and it was about a, ma- a male mannequin. And if they put this certain hat on him when the lights turned off or whatever, it was like a you know an old Snow man's man hat. situation. <laughs> an old man, well, I mean, yeah, I don't remember. I just remember the hat. Um, I think it was like a magic hat they put on him, and he would come to life at the end. They would have a bunch of little stories and all that. So. Um, but basically, uh, once he gets with this new mannequin, or the mannequin lady that comes alive, all of a sudden, all the displays that he puts up is bringing crowds and crowds and crowds into this department store, and they're breaking revenue, where his old job and boss is like, look, what's happening? And there is one of the funniest uh, comments from the movie where the, he goes, uh, when do we open? He's like, we are open. We are open. <laughs> There's nobody in the store. Yeah. Um, because basically all the businesses went to this other department store and this guy tries to blackmail uh, Switcher to come back to work for him by taking the mannequin and they're going to destroy the mannequin in a, a meat grinder, if you will, uh, yeah. trash disposal. Trash disposal. Um, so it's a very, very fun movie to watch, uh, but we'll get to that. So <laughs> let's talk to some of the trivia. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to give the plot when it's... Uh, it's all over the place, really. It's it's like it's simple and messy at the same time, right? Yeah, because like it's, it's it's a simple story of just like oh like 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 the cliche of like oh they're closing down the the, the the amusement park, so we got to band the kids together. But in this case, the kid is Jonathan's Witcher and a sentient mannequin lady. 
and they save the they save the, department the universe store by making nice display art. Right. <laughs> just... Um. So the director got the idea for this movie when he was walking by a store window and saw a mannequin move by itself. He realized, of course, that it was only an illusion um, caused by co- a combination of lights and shadows. But then he began to wonder what would happen if a mannequin actually came to life. <laughs> Be a horror movie in reality. <laughs> It's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, originally, the lead was written as an older, lonely storekeeper with Dudley Moore in mind. When Andrew McCarthy came on board, the character was changed to be a young artist. Again, totally different movie with Dudley Moore in the title role. Yeah, that would have been a very kind of more sad film. And depressing. It yeah, it probably would have been a much more depressing film. It's just like, oh, no, he finally lost it, and that's the case, too. But in this case, being a young, psychotic dude makes more sense. <laughs> Uh, the scenes for the rival store, Illustria, were filmed at Boscove's, a real-life department store in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. It's easy to distinguish by the square chandeliers and neon department signs on the walls. And I think that's pretty smart of them, too, to actually film in real department stores, too. Yeah. And so it probably saved on the budget. Uh, Kim Cattrall has a mole below the left side of her mouth. And Francis, who plays Marsha the Mannequin in the After Hours on the Twilight Zone... Uh, episode has a mole below the right side of her mouth, um, so it was a, a clear homage to the Twilight Zone. There's several things of uh, the Twilight Zone is, uh, you know, honored in this film as That's well. That's really cool. I had yeah. no idea. Hmm. Um, Andrew McCarthy wore bowling shoes throughout this movie. <laughs> bowling shoes, you know, them nasty, probably. Yeah. Huh, weird. Yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah. He, he kind of plays like I mean, like it's it's a kind of a starving artist cliche too. But he's like bouncing back from jobs, jobs, and jobs, and clearly just not not making a name for himself in any way, or like being financially stable in his life to the point where like his girlfriend mocks him and all kind of stuff too. And he just kind of plays this young like I want to say mid twenties or late twenties kind of guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, the organ uh, switcher sits at in the dance sequence is an actual organ in the John Wanamaker Building in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It is the largest operational pipe organ in the world. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, the department store used for printing company is an actual department store. It is John Wanamaker's, now Macy's, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is the second of three movies featuring James Spader and Andrew McCarthy. They also starred together in Pretty in Pink and Less Than Zero. All three titles were released during 1986 and 1987. McCarthy would later go on to direct Spader in multiple episodes of The Blacklist. So I didn't know uh, McCarthy was actually a uh, Doing director. some director work, yeah. too. Well, press him on that for him. Yeah. Um, as you said, Kim Cattrall and G.W. Bailey were both in Police Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, on filming this movie, G.W. Bailey stated, quote, We didn't think that it would ever be released. It was beyond silliness. We would do outrageous double takes over the lines and say that we hadn't done this kind of stuff since high school. And the director would say, more, more. You're going in the right direction with it. Going in the right direction. We didn't believe this, but suddenly the movie is released and here's this old-fashioned silly love story very loosely based on One Touch of Venice, or Venus, sorry. And there's no, not one dirty word in it, not one naked butt. Critics trampled this film, but much to Bailey's surprise, the public loved it. Yeah, this definitely seems to be kind of film where like the more outrageous they could go, the better for the final cut of the film. And like the the silliness is the appeal of it overall. And like I said, being a PG film, especially, is also really like great for audiences to kind of walk in. So yeah, it's 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 a film for everyone to a degree, <laughs> and no one as well. <laughs> uh, before filming uh, this movie, Kim Cattrall spent six weeks 
posing for a Santa Monica sculptor who captured her likeness. Six mannequins, each with different expressions, were made. Cottrell later recalled, quote, There is no way to play a mannequin except if you want to sit there as a dummy. I did a lot of bodybuilding because I wanted to be as streamlined as possible. I wanted to watch, or I'm sorry, I wanted to match the mannequins as closely as I could. I'm sure, that was incredibly difficult too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like you have to believably be like the idea of like if that mannequin turned into a woman, what the woman look like, and the acting in Camp Control. Yeah, they did a really good job. The mannequins looked really good. Yeah, yeah, the, the, you know, like the transition is very believable to that degree. Right. I'm just like, yep, that's like if I was in the the, the uh, woman version of that that mannequin is Kim Control, where you know the opposite is the exact reverse. And I thought it was really yeah. cool, like when uh, he, they're doing that dance scene and Hollywood walks up, I think, and and she's stuck in that dance pose or yeah. whatever. He's Great. like, I'd like to introduce you to. <laughs> Uh, Kim Cattrall and Carol Davis uh, both went on to appear in Sex in the City. Cattrall played a main character, Samantha Jones, and Davis guest starred as Amelita Amalfi. Oh, guest star. So probably like only one episode. So yeah, probably putting the whole years in there. Probably was a little bit bad on my part uh, for Carol Davis. Yeah. Right. But still pretty so cool. Estelle Getty played Claire and Mishash Taylor, or Mishak. Mishash. Mishash Taylor. Yeah, Hollywood. Uh, first appeared together in The Engagement two years before this movie. Here you go, Kyle. This is probably the funniest uh, movie trivia I may have ever, 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 ever read covered on this now. podcast. Okay, right. don't laugh. Well, we'll see how, laugh at all. We'll see how long Kyle can go without laughing. LSD researcher Jerry Kelly convinced himself that this movie was real. He was arrested multiple times for speaking and even at times groping and undressing mannequins at several different retail oh, no. shops. Eventually, he admitted that it was not the LSD that led him to this. I feel like that's your best scapegoat, is you use the LSD to say, that this is why I thought this. <laughs> but, but he says, no, it's not the LSD. It's not the LSD. I just really believe mannequins are real people that I can have relations with. Don't. Don't. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's that... You're taking it as the most funniest thing in the world, and I'm going the exact opposite. Where I'm like, this is like the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, I, I laughed. Uh, I was gonna say, but there you are go. laughing. But yeah, it's uh, the sure absurdity. But I mean, out of don't. all the trivia I have ever covered, oh. him saying that it was an LSD researcher. That was an LSD researcher. LSD researcher. Let's that? put in quotes. That's got to be a self-declared thing. <laughs> yeah, just, is this going to be like a? You, uh, what's he getting paid to be an LSD where was researcher? Your at? Where'd you go to school for? <laughs> for be an LSD researcher, right? Where did you? <laughs> I don't. Did you write your dissertation on LSD? Like what? <laughs> And if you're an LSD researcher, can you get in trouble with the cops for having or, LSD? Exactly. On you? Like, were you part of like those like terrible like military programs? What was the military? The LSD research? I forget. Well, yeah. this is you know this is probably back at the time of the Nancy Reagan's <laughs> dare to keep kids on drugs <laughs> too. So he might be a spokesperson. I don't self-declared know. LSD researcher. <laughs> what is this? Yeah, there's a lot in that. Do you one have a card pair. that says that. <laughs> No, it's okay. Including Officer, that in the trivia. I'm an LSD researcher. <laughs> Everything's fine. You don't have to arrest me. <laughs> just me pulling out my card. I can do what I want card. and just. <laughs> well, he's got a card. Sir, what do you do with that mannequin in the mall? It's okay. It's, it's in the okay. name of research. <laughs> it's in the name of research. Pulls out his badge. <laughs> oh, man. The part of LSD research. I'm like, what? <laughs> that incredible. Incredible trivia. Incredible. <sighs> LSD researcher. LSD That's who you researcher. go for as the Halloween, Halloween costume. Here's candy kids. I'm an LSD researcher. <laughs> oh, no. 
Oh, Kyle is why yeah. we have to check our I'm shit. Guy, <laughs> I'm the guy who got the clam chowder in the Titanic movie. Oh, <laughs> man. All right, we better move on. I told you that the one little trivia would open it's, up a can. It's out there. It's... <laughs> Uh, Mishash Taylor made a cameo as flamboyant window dresser Hollywood Montrose in the music video of the movie's theme song Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by the rock band Jefferson Starship. He also reprised the role in, of course, Mannequin on the Move. Mannequin on the Move. This movie is the rare Hollywood romance where the lead actress is older than the lead actor. Kim Cattrall was 30 years old when she played Emmy... And um, it's 30 years old. 30. Because yeah, I'm thinking what you're thinking, Kyle. Yeah. Because like, I'm not even 30 yet. And Andrew McCarthy was only 24 years old when he played Jonathan Switcher. Huh. That's really cool. So it's kind of weird that it's usually it, the it's, other way it's around. Very, I remember it was, a, oh gosh, it was like Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum just released a couple years ago. I think it was like The Golden City or something like that, too. That was like, like one of the latest movies that I saw where like, a, like, a, like there had me a small age gap there where I think it was like maybe like 10 years or less even where Sandra Bullock I think is in her late 40s now and same thing and Shane Haynes a few years younger so it's still very rare to see in films where yeah the age gap is reversed because usually it's the exact opposite way right yeah uh, one of the original Emmy mannequins used in the filming of this movie was restored by the store South Fellini and is currently on display in their store which is located in the fashion district in Center City Pennsylvania or sorry Philadelphia uh, the head and torso are the original pieces. It's such an odd way to be like, kind of like immortalized in some way. Road like, trip. You, you know, usually think about like a statue or something like that too, or a painting. But it's like a mannequin of you is such a a very odd thing. Hey, you know, you know what, Kyle? WrestleMania this year is in Philadelphia. We can go <laughs> to in the name of research, and then, not LSD research, but in the name of... Can it be a tax write-off if we do it that way? <laughs> go, go see the mannequin. This is a business expense to go to WrestleMania. And, and I think Pee Wee's bike somewhere over there, too, if I remember exactly. from Pee Wee's Exactly. So we'd be foolish not to go. Right. Why not? It's a needed expense. It's necessary. <laughs> All expenses paid. Listen, IRS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. Phil Rubenstein, uh, the mannequin factory boss um, on the beginning of the movie, and Mishash Taylor, uh, Hollywood, both appeared in episodes of The Golden Girls, where Estelle Giddy was a main cast member. Uh, Rubenstein played an exterminator in the episode where the girls get mistakenly arrested for prostitution. <laughs> and Taylor <laughs> played the cop in the pilot that informs Blanche, her fiancé, has been arrested for being a bigamist. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so there's that. And last but not least, there are three references to the Twilight Zone. As I stated earlier, uh, it's got a lot of uh, throwbacks to the Twilight Zone. Jonathan asked himself, am I in the Twilight Zone or am I just nuts? Um, in the after hours, the mannequins come to life in a department store after the store is closed after hours. And then Felix refers to Emmy as the dummy, which was the title of an episode in which a ventriloquist dummy comes to life. So, Kyle, there we have Mannequin. Go ahead and give me your thoughts, feelings, ratings on Mannequin. Oh, gosh. Jimbo, this film is... Uh, I didn't think it was very good. <laughs> um, same time, though, it's not, like, incredibly bad either. And there's things I do like about it. Like, I do think they have a lot of fun in the mall, and it shows in the final work of the film. They clearly enjoyed making this film. Um... They're like having that one song, you know, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now is a great 80s song. Uh, definitely an iconic, you know, track from the 80s. So I really appreciate it on that level. And um, overall, this fun is this film is fun. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. And it, it achieves that goal. This is a fun film. 
Um, but I don't think it really holds up that well. I think the um, the writing is kind of weak overall. The overall story premise is just like just male fantasy kind of BS and just kind of annoying. Uh, kind of a kind of old hat at this point. Um, so it's just kind of boring on that level for me. So like I don't think I really want to watch it again. But it's not like the ultimate waste of time for me either. So this is like a like a five out of ten for me, maybe or maybe a little bit less. But it's like it's not like. Yeah, it's disposable to me as an 80s film. I'm just like, if you want to go through all the movies of the 80s, Mannequin's not going to be the worst one in there, but it's certainly not going to be the best one either. It's just not memorable to me in any significant way. So overall, I feel kind of like down on the film, but it's not like, it's not terrible. It's okay. So that's how I kind of feel about overall. Um, Jimbo, how do you feel about Mannequin? Kyle, do you never just sit down to enjoy a movie? All the time. This was a great just movie just to sit down and enjoy, to let your brain go numb and just enjoy a movie for once. For crying out loud, Kyle... You have to be so negative all the time. This was no, a fun no, there's, movie. There's, there's plenty of films that I love. I'm sure Jason 80s, would agree with me that this is a fun movie. Uh, I know Jason might be as old as I am or might be as young as you, but at least Jason's got the right idea of re- making you watch Mannequin. And now wait for Mannequin too, because we are going to have to make you do that. <sighs> but yes, I do like Andrew McCarthy. I've liked a lot of the movie uh, movies he's been in. I like a lot of the st- uh, characters he's played. I liked Weekend at Bernie's. You didn't. Um, I've liked him in a, in a lot of stuff, and it's no different in this movie. But to me, he always plays the same character too, if that makes sense. Um, he was typecast, yeah. Yes, basically, uh, for, for a lot of his roles. So it's, it, it, I think Kim Cattrall did a fantastic job in this movie. Cinematography was great. Um, and, dude, G.W. Bailey, I mean, he's most famous for that Police Academy role. Um, yeah. But he plays that, that this security guard perfectly. And he has the two dogs, what, Rambo and Terminator, I think the two dogs' names are, once he gets fired from one to the other. It's silly, but not in a bad way. I, right. I agree with that, too. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a fun movie. Um, yeah. Like, I think Taylor character Hollywood kind of, like, I could see it as, like, progressive for the time, but now it kind of plays into a lot of, like, kind of the negative side of gay stereotypes, which I think, like, so it's, like, it's aged poorly, but also, I bet for the time, it was seen as progressive, oh, just having a gay character definitely. at all be not portrayed in a negative light, because here he's he's Jonathan Switcher's friend in the film throughout the entire thing, and actually hugely supportive, even, like, holding back people that are stopping him from getting his mannequin. Right, remember when so, he like, had the water hose at the end? Exactly, just... exactly. So, like, he's, like... He's a mixed bag of history overall, where it's like, oh, these are negative stereotypes now, but back then this is actually incredibly progressive in their sense. You know, so, honestly, um, Hollywood might be one of the um, early specials that, that, I, can re- that, I, that I can remember. Yeah, yeah, because he's not shown as a bad guy at all. He's just shown. He's that, hilarious. Like, he, he plays in the stereotypes and tropes, but he's not a bad person, and that's what that's a very those, important distinction of this. And film. those sunglasses he wore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, him, him being gay is not being picked as a bad thing. So that's that's incredibly impressive for an '80s film, especially. Right. So like, that's more like it's simultaneously positive, but also like I said, he plays in those stereotypes of being incredibly um, effeminate, you know, and that being a negative thing. So like, it's it's a mixed bag right there. But overall, like, I don't hate it. No, um, it was uh, yeah, like like I said, I think I think uh, like Hollywood did a good job. I think yeah, I, yeah. I, I think the cast was almost perfectly on point. It's um, even James Spader. You know, you don't really recognize him because it's one of his earlier roles. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. And even now, I, I'm hopeful to see Hollywood and Mannequin too. That's one thing I'm not hopeful. I oh, wonder like, if the depiction's better or worse. I don't know. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. <laughs> oh, so Kyle does want to watch the sequel now. I. I, I I don't want to watch it, but I am curious on that level. Like, I don't think it's going to be a good movie. I think it probably be a worse movie, but we'll see how it goes. Sorry, Kyle. Um, it could be better. It could be the Weekends Burning Two situation, where Weekends Burning Two I think is better than Weekends Burning One because it's still more silly and more dumb, <laughs> even though it's still a bad movie. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. For me, um, 
I I probably give this a seven. I you know it's it's above average I think for an eighties movie, but it's not you know tier one. I do enjoy it. I you know I, it's been a lot of years since I watched this movie. Um, yeah. It used to come on cable TV all the time. And it was actually kind of hard to find on uh, digital um, without paying an arm and leg. I think I paid fifteen dollars for it. Same, same. I mean, like, so it's, uh, yeah, it's one I've of those never ones. Seen this movie on sale ever, and it was right. just digital for us, so we couldn't get it for like two dollars or five dollars. Yeah. That. So it was like, yeah. yeah, I bit the bullet and bought it. But I mean, I'm not sad I bought it because it's it's a fun movie. I laughed several times out loud. Um, yeah, it's just very well it's, done. Yeah, it's, it's me. To me, it's kind of like it's it's a radio movie of its time. It's like it's like it's neither like so good or so bad that it's worth turning off. Like if you leave it on a channel, like you just let it play in the radio kind of sense. Like it's a passive movie to kind of leave on and go through that entire decade where I feel like it's just like yeah, it's just it's a movie that happened, but there's nothing else. to And it I to think me. I think because you know? um, ADZ and I have done the episode After Hours on the Twilight Zone uh, series. If you guys want to listen to those, that. Um, it, it, it stood more out to me because we have covered an episode about that in After Hours where the mannequins came to life and all that. And it kind of seen the, you know, the, the homage or whatever. Homage or a funnier idea of that kind of situation. Where right. Where, where, where they the made it into route. a... Because in, in After Hours, the mannequins would come to life after the, the store ends. But what that was is one mannequin got to leave the store for like, I think it was 30 days. Mm-hmm. And then they had to come back. And then the next mannequin would get to go out and live in the world for 30 days and come back. Um but yeah, this was this was great, and then you know, true love conquered all at the end. So yeah, um, they had a happy ending. Yeah, she she's like, well, I, I'm over 500 years old, or just 5,000 years yeah, old, or something she crazy like that." Yeah, right. So um, yes, definitely. Thanks, Jason, for the request. Uh, I think uh, Kyle did enjoy it more than he thought he was going to enjoy him. Probably after talking about the LSD researcher, he even liked it even more. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, how do you put that on your resume? Exactly, exactly. Just, uh, sir, why are you here for the show? Well-known uh, LSD me, researcher. You know, yeah. Don't you know. Google me, though. No. Don't Google me. LSD researcher known for groping mannequins and addressing them. <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, if you want to follow us on the social medias, we are the Tragedy Cinema Podcast um, on all those fun things. Um, if you want to leave us a review or if you want to uh, request another one, let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into anything. We have to cover it. Yeah. Right, so we got a, another request we're going to do here shortly, so it's be interesting. So with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And cut. <laughs>